Hello, I'm Chris Fleetcroft, and I would like to welcome you to the very first episode of our Revive Network podcast. I know we're in the throes of social distancing at the moment, but I don't think I've ever been in so many meetings and had so many conversations, all I hasten to add through a phone or a computer screen. I spent the last year encouraging people to get off social media, only to spend the last two weeks encouraging everyone to get on it. But I am convinced of this. Whatever trial or evil is heard against us, God causes all things to work together for good. I remember when Dwayne White was with us at our Refresh Leaders Forum in February, saying that the church in this decade needs a new wineskin for the glory that will be poured out. Well, church, we have been forced into a new wineskin, at least for a season, and it is amazing how our priorities have changed. Some things that seem so important and consume so much of our energy are now impossible to do. We have shouted from our pulpits that the church is not a building, it is the people. Well, the building has been removed for a season and we are still here, shining bright. Well, we have a treat for you today. We had invited one of my favourite speakers, Helen Azer, to speak at Refresh on April the 1st. So I was really disappointed when I had to contact her in council. But then I had a thought, why not get her to speak anyway? So she agreed to seek God for a prophetic word for Revive Network and we've got a cracking word for you coming up in a moment. But first, I've been so inspired by hearing stories of how churches of all sizes have been responding to the current situation, not only adapting to make their churches run online, but also taking leading roles in their communities, responding to those in need during this pandemic. One such church is Divine Community Church in Cherry Willingham. I spoke to their leaders, Darren and Jenny, earlier and asked them to share what they'd been doing in their community. We've been working on a Facebook page in the community, um, trying to get people to volunteer to help with the response um, in the three villages here. We've had a really good response. We had up to 150 volunteers say that they would come and help us, um, just from people in the villages, um, to help people with their shopping, to help people with collecting prescriptions, to give people a call if they're lonely and isolated. So we've had a really good response and we've been coordinating all of that. And then we've um, got them to deliver leaflets through every house in the three villages. So it's about 4,000 people, I think, that they've put through the doors so that people can ring up and get somebody who will come and do one of those things for them, either get them some shopping or a prescription or um, have a friendly phone call. So you're coordinating 150 volunteers across three villages. And this is just your church? No, not at all. This is uh, very much the churches coming together in in the area. So uh, we're working predominantly with uh, the Anglican vicar here um, and also the Methodist church, uh, but also key individuals from the community. And this has really come together to uh, really uh, let the community here see the churches in action, bringing uh, both the systems and processes we've got, but also the, the volunteers that we can bring into the situation to do real good. And that, that's really combined with a really strong Christian message. Everything we put out into the community around help 
uh, also is underlined with the fact it's the church, but it's also alongside other Christian messages that are going on, showing that we've got a, a God that cares and a God that, that's really in charge of this situation. And what's the situation now? Well, now um, we, we've we had such a response that we're getting phone calls all the time and um, we're finding it hard to keep up with them. So what we're doing is getting more uh, people to answer the phones and have a bit of a rotor system and looking at what we can do in the future as things progress with shopping, um, getting more shopping, signposting people to different things um, that we've been given, different telephone numbers and so on. So um, just really looking to help people as much as possible. Thanks, Darren and Jenny. You're doing an awesome job there in Cherry Willingham. Now, if I were you, I would grab a pen and paper because there is going to be so much you're going to want to write down from this. As promised, here is Helen Azer from Heart Cry for Change. Hi everyone, Helen here from Heartcry for Change in Oxford. I was due to be with you at the Leaders Refresh in Rotherham this week, but of course we find ourselves grounded and in lockdown and unable to meet in person. But it's my real honour and my delight to have this opportunity to send you a message uh, via the medium of modern technology, which is fantastic. And I pray that Jesus will use it to bring you a word of personal encouragement and strength. My prayer really is that beyond just my simple words, Jesus will speak to you and give you a prophetic perspective for your leadership in these days and weeks to come. You know, I was thinking about all that's going on in our nation, obviously with the pandemic virus and around the world, and thinking how leadership has been placed in such a spotlight at every level of our society, whether it's our prime ministers and presidents around the world and governments having to set policies and lead nations through this crisis or whether it's the health service and the medical scientists whose leadership is so vital in these times so that we can put in place uh, care and medical plans to overcome the medical and health challenges that we're facing, or whether it's at a very local level, you know, the leaders and managers of our supermarkets whose task is horrendous at the moment, um, but how thankful we are for their leadership and their guidance in our communities. At every level, leadership is being tested. At every level, leadership is both an incredible responsibility, but also an incredible privilege. Because for such a time as this, we need those men and women who will stand with clarity, with wisdom, with logistical ability and with skills of all sorts and put in place those plans that will literally rescue our nation and help us to overcome these challenging times. I'm sure like me, you're probably praying daily for Boris Johnson and his cabinet and the the leaders of our nation that they would be surrounded by Daniels, those who are anointed with outstanding wisdom and intelligence to solve problems that we're facing. But I was thinking as well that for those in church leadership, the challenge really is equally great. But the good news is as the Big as the challenge might be, so too is God's grace to enable us at this time. And God is a specialist at training us and equipping us in the wilderness. It's like he loves that place of the wilderness to put his SAS squads and put them in a, in a hothouse of training and 
learning and developing. And it's almost like he chooses the wilderness to accelerate our gifts. And today, as I speak to you, I'm really praying that this unprecedented challenge will be an accelerator for the Revive Network, that each one of you, wherever you are placed in your local community, in your church, in your home groups, wherever that might be, that actually God will take this crucible and make it your springboard into greater leadership and more confidence in what God has called you to do. And I felt God say that he is raising up leaders for such a time as this in the Revive Network and that from this moment, it's not going to be business as usual, that you won't sort of get over the pandemic virus and then go back to what the patterns used to be. But actually, this is going to be a defining moment for the Revive Network. And actually, you have the capacity to accelerate way beyond what you've ever dreamt before. And maybe like for me, it's taken a crisis to help me see that. And I pray that for you, you will begin to see the Revive Network as much, much more than you have previously seen it, because God is saying, I'm making leaders for such a time as this. I came across a really interesting quote from the Harvard Business Review in a study into what makes excellent leaders. And it says this, the skills required to conquer adversity and emerge stronger and more committed than ever are the same ones that make for extraordinary leaders. The skills required to conquer adversity and emerge stronger and more committed than ever are the same ones that make for extraordinary leaders. In other words, it's the tough seasons which are the crucibles that forge exceptional leadership. We don't have to look far in our own history as the British Isles and see that it was in the time of the Second World War that our perhaps one of our greatest leaders, Churchill, emerged. And I don't know if you know his story, but he was considered a pretty mediocre politician who was never really going to make it. And yet it was the crisis of the war that really made him into what history sees as one of our greatest leaders. And I believe God would say to you today in your leadership in the church, It's possible to thrive and to flourish in the wilderness. And that's what God is after. He is after putting inside of you this morning a new confidence that you can thrive, not just survive, that you will flourish and bear perhaps some of your greatest fruit in this time of wilderness. As I was reflecting on this thought that I felt God give me to encourage you with, He also shared a picture with me, and it was a picture of a crocus. Now, in the natural, we we know them, we see them in our uh, fields. And um, but I was fascinated when I did some Google and thank God for Google when you need a bit of information. But I looked up crocus on Google and I found it fascinating. And I didn't know this. Maybe you do. But the financial community sometimes refers to companies or economic sectors that rise early after an economic downturn as a crocus company in reference really to the flower's ability to thrive in the late winter or early spring. And I just felt that was such a prophetic picture for us that actually in this late winter, early springtime that we are in the natural inn, God is saying, I want crocus forerunner communities of leaders who will be those who are the signposts for many around them 
that they can thrive, that they will be the first ones to come out of the winter, shining, full of hope, carrying a message that says, my God is great. I wonder whether we can be those brave leaders in this winter and early spring season and whether this will be the making of us. I was obviously thinking of all the characters in the scriptures that we're so familiar with and often it was the most unlikely candidates who ended up being the most influential leaders and they were like the little crocuses in their communities who were the evidence of God's grace and the signposts that something was growing even in the midst of the hardest of times. I thought of Moses who couldn't even speak, didn't feel confident, wasn't able to really stand in a, a confidence posture and say yeah I can I'm up to the task I can lead a million people out of the wilderness and yet God chose him and made him his spokesman before Pharaoh and of course the deliverer of his people I thought of Joseph the youngest and most despised of his brothers who ended up the prime minister of Egypt I thought of Deborah a woman in a man's world but she partnered with a general and established it says a turnaround in her generation and the land enjoyed peace for 40 years. In other words, her actions really set a course for a whole generational flow. And I thought to myself, what would it be like for the Revive Network to stand up in a new grace of leadership in this crisis and turn a generation? Literally, are we thinking just four months of survival or are we thinking 40 years of a generational turnaround? What do you see? I thought of David, very much the runt of the litter in his family, overlooked and yet called to lead. And then even though he was called and anointed and should have been amazed at the call on his life, he really messed up. He was an adulterer. He was a murderer. He ended up giving us the greatest book of devotional poetry, though. And it's like what disqualified him on many levels in God's hand qualified him to write something which we can identify with and that touches generation to generation to generation in the darkest times. I thought of Peter denying Jesus, but somehow God sees fit to found the church on him. And I felt God say, so come on, Helen, what's your excuse? What's going to disqualify you in your mind to be a leader in these days? And I want to offer you that gentle provocation of the Lord and say, come on, what's disqualifying you? Where do you feel overwhelmed? Where do you feel fragile like that crocus? Can't you see there's an incredible, gentle strength that is going to come out of that with a fragrance that is unlike anything else? In many ways, the little crocuses are God's secret weapon that signal there is beauty in the midst of crisis. I believe that as Christian leaders in the UK over this last season, many of us have felt inadequate to the task that we've been faced with of a society which seems to aggressively shut down the Christian voice with political correctness gone crazy. And many of us have just felt so fragile and inadequate. And yet I imagine that most of us have also seen that there's incredible harvest if we just scratch beneath the surface They may not want church in terms of structure and building and religion, but oh boy, do they want God, do they want spirituality. And I believe that this is a time like no other 
to show them the life-giving flow that is available when we connect to Jesus. So what will make us those crocus generation of leaders? What will upgrade our leadership ability? Obviously, just very practically, social media, online streaming, all of those natural skills have massively upgraded our ability to lead in these days and to offer our people some sound bites into the midst of the situations of isolation that they find themselves in. We're literally meeting for prayer meetings from house to house through the power of an app like Zoom or FaceTime. At HeartCry, we're producing daily devotionals three times a day, messages of hope, short reflections and posting them on our Facebook and on um, a YouTube channel and other sources and outlets at this time. And I personally have had to massively upgrade my normal skill set and range to manage a YouTube channel, edit video, um, nothing that I would have thought I would ever have done. And yet God is upgrading and resourcing at this time. But more than just practical skills, I'm reminded that biblical leadership is not really a job title or a role. It's not being a pastor or an elder. Biblical leadership is actually first and foremost a grace gift. I want to remind you of Romans chapter 12, verses 6 to 8, a passage we're really familiar with, which lists the different types of gift. And it says this, verse 6 in chapter 12. For we have different gifts according to the grace given to each one of us. So if your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in according to your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. And then it says in verse 8, And if it is to lead, do it diligently. And that Greek word prostemi is the word for lead, which is to actually to rule. And it's that leading or rulership which in this context in Romans 12 is actually defined as to be a protector or a guardian of the people that you're entrusted to and who, are, who provide for and give aid to others. So what does this type of leading look like? How should we lead? How should we use our authority to offer rulership, leadership in these days? As I was praying about this, I felt that God give me an acronym to share with you as the Revive Network. And the acronym is literally the spelling of the word LEAD, L-E-A-D. And for each of the letters, I just felt he wanted to encourage you with a very simple key to encourage you personally in your leadership, but also as you look out to those you lead. So the L of LEAD. I felt God say, encourage the Revive Network that leading in this day is about leaning into me. Leading is about leaning into me. John 6, verses 66 to 68. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed Jesus. You don't want to leave me too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. And Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. I was reflecting on these verses in connection with leaning in to God at this time. And it was this little phrase in verse 66 from John 6 that says, from this time, that really caught my attention. I must have read this passage so many times, but that little phrase, from this time. And I felt God say, ask the revived leaders, have they had 
a from this time moment. Have they ever had a from this time moment with me? Or maybe have they ever had a from this time moment in their leadership? You see, most of us have life defining moments and we can pinpoint them. We can testify to them, good or bad. Very often we identify with them as the things that are more negative, the from this time moments that are about delays or disappointments, maybe times of betrayal that most of us as leaders have had at one point or another. Maybe it's been the death of a dream or the loss of a person that we thought would build with us. Maybe it's seasons of life that have changed, retirement looming on the horizon. Or perhaps it's natural seasons of marriage and giving birth to our first child. Or maybe children leaving home and the challenges of adjusting to those new seasons. Maybe the from this time moments have been real trials of faith, trials and faith for finances or building projects. And I felt God say that this situation that we are in nationally is also a from this time moment. Life is not going to be the same again. It's a defining moment. It's a watershed moment. And in those moments of from this time, like with the disciples, we are given a choice. How are we going to respond? We can't change the situation. It is what it is. But we have a choice in the situation. Are we going to flee? Are we going to become paralysed? Are we going to let our leadership be contained because of uncertainty about how to rise to the challenge? Or are we going to actually lean into the goodness of God? And I felt God say, above all else, we can respond in many ways to this crisis. And for many of us, from this time will be about live streaming services from this moment on. We're never going to go back. But I felt God say that more than just the natural skills and shifts in life, how is it going to affect us spiritually as leaders? I don't know about you, but being on lockdown for the next 12 weeks is a bit of a mixed blessing, actually. I've noticed that my emails have quietened down a little bit, that WhatsApp has gone crazy, and there's all sorts of um, different rhythms that are emerging But I want to make sure that I protect some of this gift of time in a sense and not just go into crazy mode. I want to make sure that some of this 12 weeks can be a little bit of a sabbatical. And you think, wow, what planet are you living on, Helen? But actually, it's a choice. Yes, of course, I'm responsible for people. Yes, of course, in HeartCry, we're producing more material than perhaps we've produced for a long time, certainly online. But actually, it's still a choice. My day is mine. Will I lean into God? Will I lead and accelerate my leadership by leaning or by running away? The choice is ours. Lord, to whom shall we go? I want to be one who says, I'm going to run into you, God. I know that for me, that's going to mean a very determined decision For example, not to let the media or the news be my main compass, but instead to continually go back and ask for heaven's perspective. God, let your word be my compass, my daily bread, my guide. Lord, to whom shall I go? You have the words of eternal life. So both for ourselves as leaders and for those we lead, Let's pray that this pandemic crisis is indeed a watershed moment, a from this time moment, but that it's creative rather than destructive, 
that it forces us deeper into leaning into God rather than into self-preservation. So the L of lead, I felt, was for leaning into God. And then secondly, God said, lead by E, expecting more. I strongly believe that this season is not just about surviving a virus. It's about stretching for the more. It's about asking God to turn this thing around and unleash the full potential that is latent within our nation. So many prophetic voices have spoken over the decade of 2020s that it would be a decade of incredible harvest. And I was, as I was thinking about that, I was reminded from church history that revivals, when they're birthed, are always birthed through the catalyst of hardship, whether it's drought and famine or war or persecution. As many of you may remember, I grew up in the Middle East and I was just reflecting that nearly 10 years ago now, the so-called Arab Spring swept through the nations of the Middle East. And in my nation where I grew up in that region, the country was literally turned upside down overnight. Strict curfews were imposed. People were absolutely terrified. Everyone was in lockdown. But then something extraordinary started to happen. Jesus began to appear and visit people in their locked down homes. A rumour very quickly circulated round the communities and neighbourhoods and people began to ask each other, have you seen the man in white yet? Has he appeared to you? Has he visited you in your home yet? And those awful weeks and months of fear acted as a catalyst for the biggest harvest that the region of the 1040 window has yet seen. Ten years on, and the Middle East is full of millions of new believers. Statisticians reckon that more people have come to faith in that region in the last 10 to 15 years than previously through the whole of history up to that point in the Arab world. Wow, what a harvest. And I was thinking, wouldn't it be incredible if God began to visit the lonely, the self-isolating, the sick, in home after home after home across the nation of Britain. In November last year, God said to me that in 2020, there would be, and this was the phrase, flashpoints of outpouring in the nations. And I didn't really understand what that meant, but I thought it had a lot to do with the prophetic words about a harvest of souls. And God said to me, it's going to be multitudes in a moment. And I thought of the passages in Joel when it says many, many in the valley, valley of decision, and yet multitudes are going to come to faith. Wouldn't it be awesome if Jesus began to visit people? I wonder what your expectation of this lockdown period and this self-isolating time is. I wonder what you're expecting for those you look after, those you've been trying to reach evangelistically. Let's expect more. Let's expect those visitations, those angelic ministers who are going from home to home. Let's expect more than just the grocery deliveries, that there will be deliveries of miracles on the wings of angels. Let's expect more. And when we speak to our people via live stream on Sunday, let's raise the level of faith for more. Let's as leaders pray more and for more for our people, for our parishes, for our communities. I'm believing today for your prayer times to be ignited with fresh faith and revelation. 
You know, I've loved the words of this Hillsong song called Awake My Soul, and it has these lines in it. And when he moves, and when we pray, where stood a wall now stands away, where every promise is amen. And when he moves, make no mistake, the bowels of hell begin to shake. All hail the Lord, all hail the King. I love those pictures that actually where we think self-isolating and lockdown is about walls going up around, actually God would say, I love the challenge of the wilderness and where there's a wall, if you will pray and expect more, there will be a new way created in that wilderness. So what are you praying for? What are you believing for? Let the E of lead be about expecting more. Thirdly, let the lead begin to lead by A, advancing into the new, advancing into the new. Several of the prophets prophesied at the end of last year that God was going to do something new and that new would mean new. Bit of a no-brainer really, but we're living in extraordinary times. And one of the words that's captured my attention in lots of news reports and in just people's conversation around is that we are living in unprecedented times. In fact, it made me laugh, but I saw a little cartoon recently that said, oh, how I wish that we could go back to precedented times. Yeah, I mean, unprecedented is uncomfortable. It's scary. We don't have the usual reference points and we can't fall back on what we already know or have always taken for granted. I mean, seriously, how many of us would have ever wondered that you would be really thinking about toilet roll so much? Maybe you're not. But in the Bible, leadership was always about taking people into the new, into the unprecedented. Think again of Moses leading the people out of Egypt and not having a clue where a million people would get food from for each day. Then God just supernaturally provided manna. And guess what? The people started panic buying. Didn't work then. It won't work today. There's nothing new under the sun, is there? But Moses had to teach them the new way to live, totally reliant on God for every daily need, rather than dependent on the guaranteed supply that they had had under Pharaoh's slave system. What if, just what if, God is using this pandemic virus and can teach us a new way of living, that we're not under the slave system of a self-protective and self-preserving society where it's me, mine and I, but that actually he teaches us a new way where we trust him for our provision every day. As we lead people today by advancing into this new and unknown territory, maybe like Corrie ten Boom, we can echo that faith-filled sound that says, I would rather untrust, I would rather trust an unknown future to a known God. I feel that God's teaching us a new dependence on him and that through that he will unleash the potential of the miraculous like never before. If I'm honest, even as a leader, I've had to hold my hands up and admit that the thought has crossed my mind, what if, what if I don't make it? What if I do run out of loo roll? What if my income stream dries up? But then I've had to speak to myself, speak to my spirit and remind myself, God is my provider and he's the author and the finisher of our faith. He's in the business of making all things new. 
So my job is just to lead by advancing into the new, unashamed and without restraint. So I've decided that as best I can, I'll follow God and I'll allow him to unleash my full potential, maybe potential I didn't even know I had as I advance into the new. Potential always comes in seed form. And I feel like for so many of us, the little dreams that we've had that the enemy has so come against hard to sit on and to put a cap on, God would say, no, they've just gone into the dark soil of adversity. But in that place, they're going to germinate and they're going to spring up. And if you have eyes to see and faith to understand in these days, he will do something new. So let's lead by advancing in whatever the new is that God wants to take us into. And finally, D, lead by D, demonstrating, demonstrating the message that God wants to proclaim. Over the last few years, our society has engaged in an exercise of redefinition. We've redefined everything, ethical, moral standards, medical ethics. We've redefined sexuality and gender. We've redefined politics. And at every level, things don't mean what they used to mean 25 years ago. The goalposts keep shifting. And the way in which that redefinition has taken root in our society is by demonstration. In other words, it's been normalised. Think of the soap operas and the TV advertising billboards, the social media posts, all normalising something which maybe 10 years ago we wouldn't even thought possible. Defining by demonstrating or illustrating is also, of course, God's way. In fact, he invented it. The words became flesh, became incarnate to demonstrate what God is like. The father demonstrated his agape love by sending his only son. The destructive power and consequences of sin were demonstrated in the penalty that Jesus had to pay on the cross in order to rescue us. And then obviously the cosmic victory of good over the demonic realm was demonstrated in Jesus' resurrection. God demonstrates what he wants to normalise. That was the little phrase God gave me. God demonstrates what he wants to normalise. And I believe that through this crisis, he wants to raise the level of our expectation and he wants to demonstrate for us what the new normal that he wants to create is going to look like. And I feel like part of this journey that we're going through as a nation is the opportunity to demonstrate through our leadership that there is a different way. Maybe it will be about helping people who are terrified of sickness and death break the power of that fear and encounter God's perfect love. Maybe it will be about feeding the media the stories of breakthrough and healing as they take place in our communities over the next weeks and days. I believe that as we lead by example, by demonstrating the way of the kingdom, we can literally change the narrative and invade the airwaves with the sound of hope. And I pray that God's works will be so demonstrated in our days that those are the only things which truly go viral. And now just a final thought. For us as Jesus followers, there is only one way to demonstrate a new normal. And that is by going back to the original design, to the original plumb line of God. 
And I heard God give me this little phrase a while ago and he said this to me, Helen, my plumb line is your lifeline in this season. My plumb line is your lifeline in this season. I don't have time to unpack this massively for us, but one of the plumb lines of God are the eternal standards of faith, hope and love. First Corinthians 13 verse 13 says, and when all of all is said and done, when all of this is over, there are three things that must remain or abide. Faith, hope and love. And I pray that whatever else we demonstrate as leaders in these days, we will demonstrate those three, faith, hope and love. I love this quote, which I'm going to leave you with, by Henry Nouwen in his book, In the Name of Jesus, Reflections on Christian Leadership. And if during this time of self-isolation, you've got a bit of time, I'd really recommend that book to you, In the Name of Jesus, Reflections on Christian Leadership by Henry Nouwen. And in the book, he says this, the mystery of ministry and leadership is that we have been chosen to make our own limited and very conditional love the gateway for the unlimited and unconditional love of God. People who are so deeply in love with Jesus that they are ready to follow him wherever he guides them, always trusting that with him they will find life and find it abundantly. I love that little thought, that it is through little old me through little old you, that God in his goodness chooses to demonstrate his unconditional love, that he will use us today. And so as we lead, I want to encourage you to lean into God and allow this from this time moment to be a watershed moment in your leadership. Secondly, to lead by expecting more and upgrade your faith to see beyond the crisis to the great harvest. Number three, to lead by advancing into the new, unapologetic, unashamed and ready to go. And finally, to lead by demonstrating. And as we do, may God give us the grace to establish a new normal for the kingdom in the days to come. May God really bless you. May he refresh you today. And may you, in the days to come, know exactly what to do, where to go and what to say. But I pray right now for the Revive Network. Father, I thank you that revival is your idea, that you have always wanted to breathe life and bring to life that, those dead bones and make us channels through which we can prophesy to every dead bone in our community and breathe the life-giving power of God into them. Father, I thank you for this leadership network. I thank you that you have called and chosen each one for such a time as this. And Father, I thank you that those who feel a little bit inadequate to the task in these days, those who feel fragile, those who felt a little bit like, well, who am I to rise to this incredible national and international challenge. Father, I thank you that you have equipped them for such a time as this. I thank you for that incredible picture of the crocus, that little fragile but very beautiful flower that actually thrives in times of winter and adversity and presents a beautiful early sign of the spring harvest that is to come. And Father, I thank you right now that through the Revive Network 
And these leaders, as they set aside time to be with you in these days, that this movement will birth, this network will birth an incredible grace-filled leadership anointing that will be such a blessing in these days. And Father, we thank you for those who are serving us in the community at this time. And I pray that you connect leaders from this network to key leaders and key workers in the community, that they might be a source of strength to them, a source of grace to them, a different perspective to them, so that they can offer life where they're only seeing death, and that there will be a massive turnaround in our nation, that many will come to faith in this season, and that, Father, as you did in the Arab nations through that winter of despair, in a sense, Uh, that truly became an Arab spring like nobody would ever have imagined and birthed an incredible harvest. Lord, we pray that for our nation and we speak over Britain today. Arise, shine, for your light has come. See, yes, there's darkness, there's a shadow of death, but we thank you, Father, that the light of Jesus will be displayed from from house to house and from community to community. And we thank you for all that you are about to do and we expect more. And everyone said, (laughs) Amen. Well, I thank you so much for the privilege of giving me the opportunity to speak to you. I hope it's been a blessing and I pray that you would feel refreshed and strengthened in your inner man and woman today and uh, be really encouraged. The best is yet to come. Thank you so much. Wow. What an incredible, timely message. I'm so glad we didn't miss out on it. Well, we've come to the end of this episode, but we will be back soon. If you'd like to know more about the network, go to revivechurch.co.uk or email us on network at revivechurch.co.uk. Have a blessed day and we'll see you soon.